0: My name is Rita and we Chinda and I welcome you to IP series where we talk about recent IP cases and developments globally. If this is your first time joining us, please subscribe and favorite my podcast on Anchor. Um, so on today's episode, we have a very interesting topic. I have a, another guest with me and we'll be talking about a type of IP which I consider to be uncommon and not popular now our speaker is um going to introduce herself and tell us what she does and the talking and type of ip will be revealed thank you Let's welcome our guest
1: for today um yolanda can you tell us about yourself and what you do yes um Hi Rita, it's really a pleasure to be with you and to enhance uh, to have this conversation on plant variety protection. Um, I'm legal counsel and director of training and assistance in an international organization. The name is the International Union for the Protection of New Varieties of Plants, UPOV, based in Geneva. And in my background, I was born in Barcelona. Did my Um, master's degree in the University of Montreal and since that time I've been working in different areas of intellectual property and international law and since 2001 I've been working in this organization specialized on plant variety protection, UPOF. That is so great, since 2001 that's
2: almost 29 years I guess. (laughs) or wow. oh, 19 years yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very very ah, oh my god yeah. so yeah what did you talk about plant variety what is new plant variety or that, right? what does it really what is it about
1: so Rita uh, new plant varieties actually touch upon our lives as consumers every day you know we listen also yeah. a lot of discussions about food security climate change but what really makes us as consumers being able to choose between, you know, different food at affordable price that meet quality, taste and different of our requirements is actually new, new plant varieties. Also, when we choose a flower, a rose and an orchid, normally there will be new plant varieties that have been developed to meet the needs of all of us as consumers. So in that sense, a new plant variety is a group of plants. That you can distinguish from another group of plants with a set of characteristics. So, you know, if you have a rose, you know, so a a red rose with that type of petal, the shape, the height, and that for being a variety, you need to be able to, to reproduce, to multiply that variety and to keep the set of characteristics. In this case, for example, if I want to have that red rose, so when I reproduce the variety, then it will be stable. So that means I will have this group of plants maintaining this set of characteristics. And this is really thanks to the work of breeders. The breeders are persons or companies or public research institutes that develop new varieties. Maybe it could be a period of 10 to 15 years or even 20 years in the case of tree, you know, like a apple variety. And When they develop a unique set of this group of plants that are unique and do not exist in nature before because plant variety protection is about developing something that is new, then an IP right is granted. And that IP right really is very important to recover the investment in the development of these varieties. And we are here dealing with an intellectual property right that deals with a subject matter that is very easy to reproduce because it's living material. You know, the seeds, the propagating material is very easy to reproduce. So without protection, there will not be encouragement and incentives to develop new plant varieties. Do you agree that plant variety um,
2: is an unpopular form of intellectual property what do you think can be done to change this perception, basically?
1: Uh, thank you for this question. And you know, we had a chance to learn a little bit about each other. And I have to say, I had a little bit the same experience that you had. I, I was exposed to intellectual property protection in general, different IP rights, and actually. Um, I really didn't have the opportunity to learn about new plant varieties in my university studies in the master's. It was really because in my experience, I worked previously in the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, and then I was approached to join UPOV. And that was really, for me, almost the the first time I learned about new plant varieties. And I have to say, it is an IP right that sometimes is not well known because of this the fact that it's not really there's no awareness about this uh, ip right in the even in the academic programs in the earlier stages for lawyers or agronomy engineers um, also there is also a lack of understanding sometimes on its role because it touches upon rural development agricultural development and sometimes there is confusion about what is a new plant variety and what are the traditional varieties that have already been available for many, many years and already you know, uh, no longer meet the conditions for protection. And really plant variety protection is about innovation. It's about developing something new to meet the needs of farmers, growers, and society as a whole. And from that point of view, uh, we realize that it's very important to raise awareness of this IP right in the different academic programs. It is important also to raise awareness for those stakeholders that play a role and they will really uh, benefit from the availability to these improved varieties. So communication strategies and uh, training programs will make a difference. And I think your podcast, Rita... Can play a role to also yeah. raise awareness of practitioners and specialists on IP that this particular area of protection in the field of IP really plays a key role in the different areas that we are you know we are involved and I will touch upon that maybe later during the interview. Okay great so what are the international
2: legal frameworks for protection of or- new plant varieties
1: so the, the international treaty that is really tailor made to the protection of new plant varieties is the UPOF convention this treaty was adopted in 1961 and has been uh, amended to the last uh, version of the treaty is in 1991 and this is the version of the treaty that is available for further membership of UPOF I will say this treaty now covers all regions of the world. So we have members; uh, there are 76, covering 95 states. That means that plant variety protection is available at the national or regional level of these uh, members. The members are states, but also intergovernmental organizations. We have, you know, the in Africa we have OAPI. That is the African Intellectual Property Organization that grants plant breeders' yeah. rights covering the territory of its member states. Okay,
2: great. So, what is the term of duration of protection? You know, like every other IP, you have um, 15, 10 years, seven years, 20 years. What is the term of duration for plant variety?
1: So the the term of duration is 20 years for all varieties, but then there is a special period, 25, for trees and vines because to develop a new variety, let's say of tree, you know, it could be an orange tree, an apple, um, mandarin, uh, it takes longer to develop and also longer also the examination of those varieties. And different from other IP rights, the duration of protection starts counting from the date of grant. That means that it's from that day that the title is granted that the duration will start. In this particular case, provisional protection is very important from the time of the filing or publication of uh, of the application. And you know, the importance of that provisional protection is that you know there's more and more competitiveness in the market, and new demand for new varieties farmers growers is also increasing, so the time that really the variety can be successful in the market becomes shorter. so all the business and arrangements and collaborations and licenses sometimes takes place really during the period of provisional protection and that's where lawyers can play a key role ensuring that those contracts and those collaborations take place with a correct legal framework okay so um, can you give us an example of a
2: new plant variety I know when you were talking about the term of duration you made mention of um, the special period for trees and vines what other examples are there
1: okay they are Plenty, plenty, and, and really takes care about how society is evolving, how, you know, the, even the families, the size of families the need in the urban areas. So really, or the needs of farmers and growers when they harvest the, the varieties. So all of that is taken into consideration in the work of breeders. But I will give you some kind of examples. Imagine a variety that when you cut it, does not get browned. So this is also a new variety that has this particular feature where actually you don't have this brown color, and you can imagine the potential and the interest that in the food sector, you know, in the restaurants, in the hotel, in all these receptions where you have all this fruit that is already cutted. So that is one example. Yes. Another example: imagine a very tiny red velvet rose. really, very special. Uh, or a mandarin that is easy to peel. You have children and they like to eat mandarins, but uh, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to peel. But then this mandarin has this wonderful taste, this wonderful texture, but then it's very easy to take out the skin. Uh, a pepper variety, you know, I like a spicy food. And then you have this very wonderful pepper but they are, you know, uh, uh, there is a resistance to a particular disease that is affecting this kind of pepper variety. And there is a new variety that is developed to be resistance to emerging a particular fungus. Another example would be a new wheat variety that will be excellent to make pizzas because of the elasticity and some of the key features that that variety will make it more, um, you know, favorable to pizza making. So you can see there are many needs uh, of different sectors and the development of new varieties will meet all those different needs that develop.
2: Wow, this is really you know, interesting to see and listen. So what are the conditions for a new plant varieties to be protected? Okay. Are they the same as other IPs or it's different?
1: Um, Actually, some of the words may be the same, but the meaning is different. So, as I said, I came from other IP rights background, and when I started to work in UPOF, I almost had to erase what I knew about those different other conditions for other IP rights, and I had to reboot kind of my brain computer machine to have it a blank, so I could really learn about the very specific conditions for plant variety protection. There are four. Novelty, distinctness, uniformity, and stability. The novelty relates actually nothing to do with novelty of patents. You don't compare the variety with any other variety. The novelty is about commercial novelty. So that means whether or not you have started the Commercial exploitation of the variety because there are some grace periods one year in the country or four to six years outside the country. This is very important because this is back to the point that this is about new plant varieties. If a variety has been commercialized for a long period, then it's not uh, suitable for protection. Then the notion of distinctness, the condition of distinctness that is related to comparing the candidate variety to any other variety uh, whose assistance is a matter of common knowledge worldwide. That means in the example I gave you before about new variety of wheat, you know, that is really suitable with some characteristics, very good to make from the flour pizza. So I need to compare that variety, the authority entrusted with the task of granting breeders rights will do the examination in the field comparing the characteristics of my candidate variety with other wheat varieties worldwide that could be closer to mine and it is important to prove that that variety is distinct to whatever already exists it is protected or commercialized worldwide so very important and this is back to one of the reasons uh, why it is important to be part of uh, a treaty and being part of a group of membership uh, family is because with other countries when in the examination of varieties, and you can rely on the results of the technical examination that another country has done, because the criteria is the same in the different countries. The other condition is uniformity and stability. So the variety will need to keep those characteristics in a uniform manner. And then when there is reproduction and multiplication of the variety, those characteristics will need to be retained with further reproduction. Fantastic. It's really different from um, the requirements for other
2: IP. So what can a country do to become a member of
1: EPO? Yeah, this is uh, actually a a big part of the job I do with my colleagues is we are really... um, uh, um, Replying to requests received by countries that have decided that becoming a of member is of national interest because they would like to develop the economy, develop the rural sector and give trade opportunities to their farmers and breeders. So from that point of view, when there is this policy decision and the government decides you know uh, to establish a working group that will develop a national law, that will incorporate the essential provisions of the UPOF convention. We assist the working groups in the different countries that develop laws, and then we provide any experience from other UPOF members that could be beneficial for that particular country. Um, Then there is a particular step that um, provides that the country that wishes to become a UPOF member needs to request the advice of the governing body of UPOF that means the Council of UPOF, to examine the law of the future member or the draft law to assess that there is conformity with the provisions of the treaty. And this procedure, even that requires a little bit more lengthy process, but really is key to enhance cooperation and harmonization. Because once the country uh, receives the positive advice of the UPOV Council, that means that the country, once the law is adopted, can become a UPOF member by depositing an instrument of taxation that is signed by the head of the state, the head of government, or the minister of foreign affairs. And I'm happy to say this is the situation with many countries, even uh, countries now in the that have recently gone through that process. I can even mention Nigeria had the draft law examined by the UPOF Council with a positive advice. We also have recently Zimbabwe, that also went through the same process, and the United Arab Emirates, both of these countries this year. So it's a very dynamic process that really facilitates cooperation and collaboration. So what
2: is the impact of plant variety protection and UPOV membership? uh, This
1: is also a very um, very useful question because when we are requested to come and to assist the country that wishes to introduce plant variety protection into national law in accordance with the UPOV convention, we have situations in countries where actually there is almost no breeding taking place in the country or the only breeding taking place is by public research institutes and they actually depend on the national funding for their breeding programs and some of the institutes they are also finding challenging situations because this funding is being reduced because of the economic situation in different countries so without plant variety protection is very difficult to really create incentives to create a diversity of breeders. That means that um, a system that will provide the benefits will be a system that will encourage all type of breeders. Public breeders from Public Research Institute, private companies, farmer breeders, so farmers can become also breeders if they develop a new variety. Small and medium-sized companies also developing new varieties And that would only be possible if there is an effective system of plant variety protection and the country becomes a UPOF member. There is also the fact of continued access to improved varieties to meet the continued needs of farmers and growers. We are now in the context of climate change, drought, salinity, lack of water, too much water varieties that are adapted to those particular situations that are linked to climate change is the work that breeders have done for many generations. So this is also one of the reasons that it's very important to have a system that encourages this flow, constant flow of improved varieties for farmers. Also the access to foreign varieties, because when you offer a comparable level of protection, and as we said, there is a harmonized level of protection at the level of the national laws. That means that uh, breeders from other countries will find that it is um, safe to bring the best varieties into a country that is a group of because they will get a comparable level of protection. And those varieties that would be protected coming from other countries could be used in the domestic breeding programs because of a breeders exemption. That means that all varieties that are protected will be available for further breeding when they are accessible in the market. So that also gives an advantage because breeding will take place from the most uh, better varieties that are available in the market. And the other um, benefit is that you know, the system uh, encourages innovation, production and trade. So Being a UPOV member and having an effective system of plant variety protection will offer the opportunity to develop uh, new markets. We have the example of Kenya with the particular sector of cut flowers and roses that really creates half a million of employment and really is meeting the needs of the most demanding markets because they have access to the best uh, rose varieties. Then also the economic development as a whole of the different sectors of the economy. There is an impact study of the uh, benefits of UPO membership in Vietnam that shows the situation 10 years after membership. And the analysis of all the data and the different sectors of the agricultural sector that was um, impacted by this uh, access to improved varieties translating in the different sectors of the economy to a figure of $5 billion as, as benefit, that meaning a to, a 2.5 of the GDP of Vietnam. So really, it's a particular key sector that is really at the heart of the economic development of the country, in particular, the agricultural and the, uh, the flower sector. That is a lot,
2: that is you know. Um, So, what are the economic sectors relevant for new plant varieties? So,
1: actually, the plant variety is really linked to many sectors because in a way, for example, uh, the agricultural sector is a key one, how you can produce more with less. So in a situation where we need to conserve, yeah. you know, the, the different uh, environment and, and genetic resources, it's very important to be able to produce more using less land. Uh, the food sector, the whole food sector, they also look for particular varieties that will be suitable for the different uh, uses of um, of food and how that food is also put into cans. If you think about a pineapple that is put into a can, you need a particular size of pineapple to sa- to fit that can. That is one just an example. So there will be breeders that will breed for pineapples with a particular size that they will allow for that particular. Uh, need of the of the food industry innovation and research and development for sure this is one of the very important sectors that will be also key for all the other benefits we saw also in the ornamental area you know the flower sector this is also one of the sectors that blooming and very important and anything that has to do with innovation production and trade the key of a lot of, of uh, trade, uh, I would say, discussions, it is also the fact that new plant varieties are protected with a comparable level of protection, like the one provided by the YUPOV Convention.
2: So your final words for... Practitioners, policymakers, um, breeders, farmer growers, and other relevant stakeholders for this particular um, form of uh, IP. Thank
1: you, really, for this uh, question and my reflections on this topic. You mentioned, Rita, I joined you both in 2001 coming from other areas of IP. And as of today, I feel really passionate about this field. I felt, you know, as practitioners and, uh, you know, the, the person who have legal background, they have really in this area a huge potential that could make a really an important impact. Whether, you know, as an advisors to policymakers in the different developments of, uh, you know, legislation on different areas to implement uh, the legal system, in contract uh, and collaborations, public-private partnerships, huge potential in that area and understanding of the needs of the different parties and common objectives. Also in infringement cases where things don't go as planned and to be able to provide, you know, deterrence yeah. and really an effective protection for breeders so they can continue breeding. This is what they do the best, but efficient lawyers that understand the importance of this sector, that will make a key difference. We also in UPOV have recently developed a tool that the Prisma tool that facilitates the um, transmission of data of plant variety uh, uh, applications in different group of members, and this is really something will facilitate uh, the number of applications that can be filed in different group of members. And there is a huge potential and awareness about agents, IP lawyers in this particular area. It will be very important so more breeders can benefit from the Prisma tool uh, for sure. Uh, uh, food, food uh, security, job creation, climate change, giving choices to farmers and meeting the needs of consumers. That really requires the involvement of the different stakeholders, both in the development of legislation and the policies in place, but also in creating the environment that will make sure that the farmers, even in the most remote areas, get access to quality seed at the relevant time To make really a difference and to create job opportunities in the rural sector and that i would say is key because uh, if the rural sector develops that will create a job for the youth many chances of being creative and innovative so there is a huge potential i would say in this area so i really encourage the ones who like to know more we in UPO will be very happy to provide further information and access to different resources and distance learning programs that are available for those interested.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that is really great. Um, just one last question, because you mentioned something about um, infringement. So, is there like a dispute resolution mechanism being put in place? Yeah, thank you for this UPOF. question.
1: Actually, the UPOV Convention provides that uh, contracting parties, so the members of UPOV, the states and intergovernmental organizations, should provide appropriate legal, legal remedies for the effective enforcement of breeders' rights. And it is those measures are provided at the national level, whether, you know, provisional measures, civil measures, custom measures, criminal measures, sometimes mediation and arbitration could play a role. So there is, a, I would say, maybe two areas that are very key is because we are dealing here with uh, living material imagine you know you have uh, given yeah. as a breather you develop this wonderful beautiful rose and you have actually given license to many in in your country when really um, they are paying royalties so they are develop, uh, producing and growing this uh, very wonderful rose variety and imagine just the day before valentine's day you are aware that a huge cargo of illegal, I will say, roses from the same variety but produced illegally are coming into your country just the day before Valentine's Day, just the day where all these different shops that were, you know, getting access to your variety, paying the royalties and everything will be actually submerged by these Mm -hmm. illegal-infringed roses and really, you know, almost... Completely um, not given the opportunity, those that wanted to receive some income from selling your roses. So, there effective enforcement yeah. at the border, at the airport, to ensure that this cargo of illegal mm. roses of your variety are not getting into the country. Those, Provisional measures, you know, having judges being informed about the importance of plant variety protection, will really ensure that you know you are not really completely with all the losses that will be very difficult to recover because once the Valentine's Day has passed, maybe these big sales will not um, happen anymore. So you, you see, this is one of the areas where information with custom officers, between breeders and the different agencies involved in this area is crucial. So Thank you so much, Yolanda.
2: It was a really um, interesting recording. I yeah. hope you had a good time. Because <laughs> I did, I did learn a lot from you from this, this conversation. And it seems you like um, Rose's a lot. Seems like roses. Yes, I
1: would yeah. Uh, yeah, um, like just to thank you, Rita, for this great opportunity. It's a, also a new experience for me. And I think uh, there is a great chance yeah. that we can touch upon, um, you know, people, experts, uh, lawyers, or people just interested in this area. And I really, yeah, would like to thank you for this occasion to to talk about plant variety protection.
0: Yo, that brings us to the end of this episode on plant varieties. I hope you had a good time listening to this. If you learned something, please let me know. If you enjoyed my session with Yolanda, please send me a voice note. don't forget to favorite my podcast on Anchor. Don't forget you can also listen to it on other distribution platforms like Spotify, Google, Breaker, Overcast, Listeners. So until the next IP series, thank you guys for listening.